But uh, this is going to be a, a service where we want to include the children in this uh, time together. So I hope they have uh, something to draw with and uh, paper to draw on because uh, I want them to draw a picture of uh, one of their favorite Bible stories about Jesus, with Jesus in the Bible story. And uh, once they draw that picture, Mom, Dad, I want you to take a picture of that, that drawing, and I want you to post it in the comment section uh, on the Facebook page if you're able to do so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just want to see what uh, the imagination of our children and what they're able to come up with. But uh, because John gives us a picture in uh, John chapter 12 this morning of who Jesus is today. And we're going to be looking at that uh, towards the end of our time together. Um, and maybe this is not the kind of picture that uh, you think Jesus is right now in heaven. And uh, John paints for us very clearly who Jesus is today in heaven. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at John chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 27 through 36 to begin with. John chapter 12. Jesus says this, Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had... The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. But Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now with the judgment of this world, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said this, said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. This is the last opportunity Jesus gives the crowd to come to him, to believe whom he says he is, the Father has sent him to save the world. And uh, in verse 27, we see 
right there at the beginning, now my soul is troubled. We've seen that before. We saw that in John chapter 11 when Jesus was with Mary and those who are with Mary followed her to to see Jesus. Jesus saw all this uh, weeping, all this despondency in his very presence. And the Bible says that he was, that his soul was deeply troubled. That is the same word that we see in this passage of Scripture this morning. We see it also in John chapter 13. If you turn to John chapter 13, we're going to get there soon. But in John chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 21, it says, And after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And he's speaking of Judas there. Jesus knows what Judas is uh, going to do. And Jesus' spirit is, is troubled. What is he troubled about? Well, obviously he knows that death is on, is on the horizon because you see that in this passage of Scripture uh, this morning. But he's not just troubled about uh, what's going to happen to him physically. As horrendous, as horrific as that is going to be, that's not what he's most troubled about. This is a spiritual trouble. This is a something that he's going to encounter uh, spiritually as he's going to be separated from his father as he suffers on the cross. Jesus knows that he's going to be drinking of the cu- father's cup. The cup of the father's wrath. In condemnation, judgment of the sin of the world. And that is what the Father is asking the Son to drink from. And that's what Jesus is referring to in this passage of Scripture. And we see in John in Luke chapter 22, verse 46, just how troubled Jesus is in that moment when we see him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Luke describes Jesus as sweating great drops of blood. He is so troubled over what he is about to encounter. Jesus knows that he must go through this. And what does he say? Save me from this hour, verse 27. He says, no, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus knows he must go through this. Jesus knows he's got a way out. Jesus knows he has a way of escape. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 35, he, he can call down a legion of angels to rescue him, to spare him from this moment. But Jesus knows he cannot do that because this is why he came. He came to live that purpose 
per- purpose, a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And to become that sacrifice for each and every one of, no- of us. And so in verse 28, he says, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. What Jesus is going to go through on the cross is is going to glorify the name of the Father. As Jesus hangs suspended between heaven and earth, dying for your sin and my sin, we see more of God's attributes, all of God's attributes, right there at the cross. The Father is going to be glorifying His name as He displays His grace and His mercy. He's doing something to us, for, to us, for us, through His Son, Jesus Christ, by dying in us our place. We don't deserve that. That's all his grace. And the mercy, he's displaying his mercy. He's he's withholding his hand of judgment and condemnation from us and putting it on his son. We're the one that deserves his wrath. But we see God's mercy on our behalf as well. We see God's justice we see god's condemnation of of sin his his holiness how seriously he takes sin he takes sin so seriously that jesus had to die for our sin this is god's glory magnified at the cross jesus knows that he's go as he goes through this His Father is going to be glorified. And then this, and then it goes on to say, and then a voice came from heaven, verse 28. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Or we heard that before. We've seen it when Jesus was baptized. When Jesus, uh, began his ministry and John the Baptist glorified or John the John the Baptist baptized his son the heavens opened up and Jesus God God's voice came and God spoke and he said this is my son in whom I am well pleased Jesus was glorifying the father and the father was glorifying the son we see this in on the mount of transfiguration as well that uh, G- God the Father glorified the Son. And now here we see for a third time in this passage of Scripture, the, a voice came and spoke. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And then in verse 29, the Bible says, and The crowd that stood there and heard it said, that it thundered. What was that? And for those who didn't believe, who don't believe in who Jesus testifies, 
who he is, that he's been sent from the Father, they have a very natural explanation. That wasn't God's voice. That was thunder from heaven. And that's descriptive, church, of what happens today. We live in a world that is rebellious against God. And this this world has a natural explanation for everything we see around us. They don't want to acknowledge God. They don't want to admit that God exists because if they did, they would be accountable to him. Church, we live in, live in a world today who wants to do everything possible to cancel the Christian biblical worldview message. I'm really concerned about our young people. You know, the atheistic, evolutionistic world in which we live is so aggressive anymore in canceling the Christian voice. And young people, those who go uh, to our public schools today, particularly junior high and high school, and you're listening to things like evolutionary theory or evolutionary law, don't believe it. It's all a say hypocrisy but uh what's the word is it's 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 it hasn't been tested to be true it's a hypothesis it's not even a theory it's in only the first stage of development and this is just an ideology and yet we hear evolution spoken as if it is scientific fact And they want you to believe that because they don't believe, they don't want you to believe that there is a God behind his creation. And they have a natural explanation for everything that we enjoy today and experience. Church, it hasn't changed. Here we see this crowd. They heard that voice, but it was thunder. No, it was God. And young people, you need to you need to have a biblical worldview. You need to understand what scripture says about God and who he is and all that he has done for us. There is no greater time, church, to be discipling our children and helping them to understand what the Bible is all about than right now. And don't don't expect for the church to do all the discipling of your children. Think about it. Jessica, the volunteers in our children's ministry, uh, Nathan and his volunteers in the in the junior high high school ministry. They have one two, maybe three hours a week to be encouraging, to be teaching your children. That is not enough. That, that's not even touching the surface. 
Mom and dad, it is your responsibility to be discipling your children. Because if they don't know the Word of God, when they leave your home, they're going to be eaten alive. You have the opportunity to pour yourself into their life and know that God is real and that they can trust him, not just for the younger year, young years, but all the years of their life. Because there is a world out there who is going to oppress them and cancel them if they don't fit in with what the world says they need to be thinking. So just see that in verse 29. They had a natural explanation. Then others said, verse 29, an angel has spoken to him. So they had somewhat of a spiritual understanding, but they attributed it to angels. But verses 30 through 33, Jesus answered, No, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the time of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus is speaking of his death one more time. He knows what's about to happen, and he's sharing this with his disciples. He's saying, you know, guys, that that voice was for you. That wasn't for me to encourage you about what is going about to happen. And Jesus says the ruler is going to be cast out. Satan is going to be defeated. The head of the serpent is going to be crushed. And he's going to, it's going to be crushed when he is lifted up, when the sun is lifted up on that cross. And he will draw all people to himself. Jesus is speaking of the kind of death that he is going to be going through, and how Satan is going to be defeated. I know what you're saying. (laughs) Well, Pastor, it doesn't look like Satan's been defeated. Looks like Satan's having a field day. Looks like Satan's in control. Well, I want you to know that he has no influence. He has zero influence over Jesus, and he has zero influence over God's children. No, he is in captivity. You don't have to fear him. That doesn't mean that you live in the power of your own strength. Your life is hidden in Christ. But you have the ability to resist sin. You have the ability to say no because you are unchained. You have been set free. There is to be no fear of death in your life ever again. Jesus has removed that through his death on the cross and through his resurrection. And so Jesus says, and we need to believe it, 
church. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Now he's in prison. He has limited ability. And one day he's going to be cast out for all eternity in the depths of hell. But you don't have to be afraid. Yes, Satan is real. And yes, he wants to influence your life. He wants to get you to believe that he has more power over your life, but he doesn't. Jesus has taken care of that. But you need to know the word. You need to be in the word. And so Jesus is telling his disciples one more time, he's telling this crowd that's there, hey guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to be lifted up. And, And he's describing his death. And the people understand what he's talking about because they've seen crucifixions before. This is what Romans have done to people who uh, uh, have broken the law. And they've seen uh, people be crucified along the roadside. They know what that's all about. And Jesus is saying, this is going to happen to him. And they're appalled. You say you're the Son of Man. You say that you're the Messiah. And yet you're going to die? That's not what our Bible says. Look at verse 34. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? The Messiah is not supposed to die. Our Old Testament says that we're, he's to live forever. Well, you know what? They're partially right. There are passages of Scripture, like Daniel chapter 7 or Isaiah chapter 9, where the Messiah is going to live forever. And in fact, the Messiah is living out and reigns from heaven. And those are the verses that the Jews want to believe. Uh, You know, they they have particular preferences about the Bible. But there are other passages of Scripture that speak of the Messiah's suffering and death. Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Daniel chapter 9, where the Son of Man is going to be cut off. Zechariah chapter 12, where the Messiah, the the Son of Man, is going to be pierced from his side. Uh, Psalm chapter 22 where uh, the Father is going to turn his back on the, on, the, on the Messiah. These Bible verses are just as real as well. But the Jews, the crowd, ignore those parts of the Bible. And so they don't believe that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of Man, because their Son of Man is to live forever. But that's not the whole counsel of God's word. And then in verse 35, Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become 
sons of light. One more time. This is Jesus' last call. Those who are standing in his presence of the disciples saying, guys, believe me. The Father has sent me. And yet, we see none of them choosing to believe. They prefer the darkness over the light. And they choose to live in darkness. They don't believe. And the Bible goes on to say at the end of verse 36, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. What a dangerous place to be. Christians, mom and dad, young people, children, believe Jesus' words. Believe that the Father sent the Son. Believe that Jesus died for your sin. Believe that Jesus resurrected from the grave. That Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. And no man can come to Him, the Father, except through the Son. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the truth. Don't believe that. Bible says, Jesus hid from them. What a dangerous place to be that Jesus would choose to hide himself from you because of your rebellion, rebelliousness. Because of your fear of man, you want to be accepted by the in crowd. You don't want your friends to know that you believe in God, and so you'll swallow these lies of the world. The Bible says that if we deny him before our others, he will deny us before the Father. And to follow Jesus, my friends, is going to get very costly. And we need to know what we believe because this is the truth. Why did these people not believe? Why did they continually ignore Jesus? Well, in verses 37 through 43, John gives us a commentary of Isaiah, uh, the book of Isaiah. Because if you go back and read the book of Isaiah, um, God tells Isaiah what, uh, how the people are going to respond to his message. And John says that this message to Isaiah is a reflection of Jesus' message to the Jews and the fact that they're going to reject him. So let's read verses 37 through 45. Though he had done so many signs before them, 
they still did not believe him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Verse 39. Therefore, they could not believe, for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes. Meaning God has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Quoting Isaiah chapter 6, 1. Verse 49, verse 49. Isaiah said these things because, because he saw his glory and spoke of him. This is referring to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but For fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. These people who were listening to Jesus' message, they refused to believe. Our Messiah is not to die. He's to live forever. They would not believe. Why did they not believe? Well, we see the same rejection taking place with with Isaiah uh, as as the prophet in the book of Isaiah. And God tells Isaiah that the people are not going to believe you. And Isaiah says in chapter 53, verse 1, Lord, who has believed what he what he heard from us. In essence, he's saying, they believe our report. And as you read the rest of Isaiah, uh, chapter 53, this is a very uh, descriptive passage of the Messiah's Messiah's, uh, execution. And Isaiah is saying, they don't believe. God says, they're not going to believe you. But continue to preach the truth. Now, I want you to see the progression of uh, this verse right here, because in verse 38, the people are not believing. And then as you go to verse 40, or verse 39, it says, they could not believe, for he has blinded their eyes. What John is telling us and describing from Isaiah is God's not going to strive with man forever. God wants you and I to believe. And there's a point that man, if they don't believe... There's a threshold, and I don't know what that threshold is, but as long as they're rebellious and refuse to believe, in verse 40, the Bible says, God's going to harden their heart. 
first, your heart is hardened. But if you continue to progress in your unbelief, the Bible says there's going to be a point where God's going to blind you and you will not be able to believe. And that is a very dangerous place to be in. You know, we see this in the book of Exodus and uh, Moses' message to Pharaoh. And as you read that story, and Moses going to Pharaoh and, and uh, set the people free, the Bible says in the beginning, uh, ten times that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But there came a point where it was no longer Pharaoh hardening his heart, but on ten more occasions, the Bible says, God hardened Pharaoh's hearts. I don't know where your heart is this morning. Maybe God is questioning. Maybe you're questioning who God is in your life. Young people, adults, just know that God is real. And God is there for you. And if you keep resisting, if you keep saying no and refuse to believe, there's going to come a point where God's going to blind your eyes. And you can't believe. Don't go there. Again, this is Jesus' last call to the crowd. This is Jesus' call to you. That he was lifted up for you. To display God's glory. To show you his grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and deliverance for you. That's why he came. That's his purpose in life. Don't let the world overcome, overtake your testimony. Choose to follow him. Look what the passage said in verse 42. Now, there were some, there were some who believed in Jesus, but not to the point of salvation. They didn't want they didn't want to be all in. Because if they were all in, guess what? They were going to be cast out of the synagogue. I mean, the synagogue was everything. That was that was the place to be. That's where you were accepted. That was all part of society. And to be cast out of the synagogue was to be an outsider looking in. And I know that's a hard place to be. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're not going to be the most popular person on campus. Not everybody's going to like you or take you seriously. You're going to have to sacrifice. But it's worth it. 
because Jesus gave his all for you. He loves you. And he wants you to love him and to follow him all the days of your life. Jesus came to take your place. We deserved, we deserved that punishment for our sin. We know, we know how bad we are. We know things about ourselves that lots of people don't. But I want you to know this morning, God knows it all. God loves you. Warts and all. And he wants to be your all. That doesn't mean you're perfect. You'll suddenly become perfect. No, we make lots of mistakes. We're human. Jesus, God, came as a human and understands everything you and I go through. Yet he did it without sin. And in spite of who we are, the stupid things that we do, God is mad about you. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's crazy about you. He loves you that much that he died in your place. And so this morning, we want to remember that great sacrifice that he made for us. We do that through two different ordinances. One of those ordinances is baptism. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if you're listening and you've never been baptized, you've never publicly um, testified through the waters of baptism that you're a follower of Christ, um, I want to encourage you to do that. We could even baptize you next Sunday as we begin our in-person services once again. That's the next step in, in following Christ. Baptism doesn't make you saved. It's just an act of obedience. And it's an important way to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us. And then the second ordinance is the Lord's Supper, which we're going to take in just a moment. I just want to pause And Jim's going to come. He's going to pray for the elements this morning. But you need to make sure that you're right with God. God doesn't want us to take this in an unworthy manner. And so as Jim prays this morning, and if there's something that you need to confess between you and the Lord, you know what? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of those sins. Confess them to him. In confession, you're acknowledging that you agree with God that what you've been entertaining is wrong. 
And the Bible says God will cleanse you of that sin. God wants you to take this in a worthy manner this morning. So, Jim, you come and pray for the elements as um, we remember the great sacrifice Christ did made for us. Join me in prayer, please. God, our Father, we do come before you so thankful for what Christ has done for us. And the simple act that we do, uh, taking this cup and the bread and uh, taking it in remembrance of him, God, may you truly bless it for what you gave it to us for and encourage us all, for we ask in Jesus' name. The Bible says Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. A body that was taken through a brutal beating. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, that people couldn't even recognize him. He was brutally beaten on our behalf. It says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after they ate the bread... They then took the cup. Jesus said, This is my cup of the new covenant. This is my blood that has been shed for you. Drink this and remember me. Jesus, this morning, we do remember. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being completely obedient to your Father and going through what you did for us. Thank you for giving us hearts to believe. God, you know how costly that belief can be. And there are Christians who have gone before us for millenniums that have had to give their lives because their testimony of Christ in them. God, I pray for our church. I pray for each individual that, Lord, that you would give them courage and to stand for what is right. God, that they would not fall victim to a materialistic, naturalistic world that denies that you exist. God, you are so real, and we see you all around us through creation. Your fingerprints are everywhere. 
And God, you validated who you are by sending your son, dying for our sin, and three days later, conquering death. Jesus, you live for all eternity. And because you live, those who die in Christ, they live as well. And one day, one day, we are going to be with you for all eternity. What a glorious promise. What glorious we hope that we have in Christ. May we never be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. Encourage your flock. Encourage your church, Lord. May we believe all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, I hope you can join us next week. I know there's still a lot of uncertainty out there, but uh, those of you who feel comfortable, look forward to seeing you next week and others online. But uh, continue to keep the faith, church, and stay safe. I love you. Hope you have a great week. I hope to see you soon. God bless. Thanks for joining us.